Now get ready, I wrote a different opening to reflect the holidays. And I'm, I'm so embarrassed to say it, it's dumb. <laughs> and if I had just plunged into it, it'd be fine. But now since I took the moment to no, tell just, you. <clears throat> no, just plunge into it. Would you want to say it if I told you what it was? I wouldn't remember okay. it or say it correctly. One, yes, you will. And two, yes, you will. Okay, give it a shot. Okay, so what it would be is, instead of, hey, everyone ever, it would be, ho, 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 everyone ever. You wrote this down? No, I didn't. I'm doing this from memory. <laughs> okay. Welcome to 20th Century Popcast, a show where we try to understand the ghosts of Christmas present by I'm not living with yeah, a ghost. Too many, and, yeah, I should have written it down. That's, that's too many words oh. for me. I'm not a smart man. I'm not going to say anything to that other than you're a very smart man. But now I'm thinking maybe that wasn't the smartest opening. So I'm going to go with the normal one. And we'll use this. That's a good idea. Anyways. Ho, ho, ho. I can't. I, I can't. I, I can't. I, I, and that wasn't even a bit. I really thought I could get through that. <laughs> Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we try to understand the present by living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I'm Bob Canning. And Bob, as we've been doing for the past couple of weeks, three weeks, uh, happy holidays to you, I guess. This technically, I think, is our official, right before the holidays, Christmas uh, episode of the show and, and, and maybe it's opening with some jingle bells or maybe it's opening with a choir of familiar song it's probably opening with some 80s or 90s new wave pop song that never quite caught on and it's probably the soundtrack that I'll ultimately choose to underline it but whatever it is I hope it has some sort of a festive feel because quite frankly I'm not feeling it I'm not feeling Christmas at this moment and we're doing a podcast that's trying to be current and seasonal and what is current and seasonal when you record two weeks ahead but uh, you know Christmas. That's a lot there. That's that. Let's stick with the Christmas part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's holidays. Um. Do you think by the time this episode goes up, you'll be ready for the holidays? Do you think you'll have a tree and some stockings? I believe so. Yeah. yeah we've actually. Um, yes. Uh, we have discussed our tree purchasing schedule, trying to s- fit that in between child activities and sleepovers and and, and Girl Scout camp. But we've got that figured out, so we'll have a tree. We're going to be decorating soon. Or we've already decorated, as I was probably supposed to say, right? It's not that you're supposed to. I was just wondering if you would actually ask me that question. Because I, not that you have to, but like, would that even cross your mind? Because, yeah, who cares? Who cares what the guy without kids it would does be my for the holidays? Would it? Well, yeah. When I have completed my statements about the holidays, mm-hmm. I would have said, Tim, how is your holiday decorating going? Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. And I, I would probably tell you whatever was up or whatever I thought was going to be up. So that makes sense. Well, good. Glad that's out of the way. But welcome. <laughs> welcome, listeners. Uh, today, uh, today we're doing a little uh, – we're discussing – actually, we're, we're, we're discussing something I've wanted to talk about for a while. Not necessarily the movie that we're going to discuss, but a little phenomena – uh, behind it, or that precedes it, or, or and it maybe not even discuss. It might turn into more of, of ranting like a lunatic for a moment at something that really annoys me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna open up with that. Is that okay with you? Okay, let's hear it. This is all right. this is all new to me, so I'm excited to find out what we're talking about. 
Well, we've been talking. We've been talking the last couple episodes, holidays and holiday specials and, and traditions and, and mostly television traditions, things we watch on TV, the things we enjoy and the music that that, that, that sounds track, soundtracks it. And I get that because I grew up with Stop Motion and Year Without a Santa Claus and Charlie Brown and Twas Night Before Christmas and blah, 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 all these specials. So I love it. Something that I noticed that began happening, and it started happening probably while I was in high school and it proceeded through college and it goes into this very day of this this current uh, century is that people, guys, girls, mothers, fathers, all sorts of people love to tell you and to assume you're going to debate with them so they can debate with you that Die Hard is an amazing Christmas movie. That the original Die Hard, the 1988 Bruce Willis um, action film with the Nagataki, Naga, how is it pronounced? Nakatomi. Nakatomi Towers and with Hans and Franz Gruber and and, 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 and Richard Vell Johnson and the jumping out the window and, and the catchphrases and the oh, comedy. Yeah. Everything about that movie they will tell you is the perfect Christmas movie. And they fucking tell this to you constantly or to they me do. anyways. It's spoken by a lot of people like they're hitting on some great thing. Like it's something we're not supposed to expect. Like you're not going to believe what I think is a Christmas movie. And quite frankly, mm. it's set at Christmas. Sure. You know, and it has all the set pieces and the dressings and all of that. Sure. So, 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 so why, why wouldn't you call it that? But it annoys the crap out of me that people take such pleasure in identifying themselves with this being their favorite Christmas special as if it's supposed to blow your sure. mind or be non-traditional. And yeah. I say all this knowing that a movie that you enjoy personally, actually you, Bob Canning, is something that you like for the holidays, mm-hmm. for Christmas, uh, a movie is uh, this movie. Uh, yeah. Die Hard, the original 1988 Die Hard. That's a true fact. Yeah, um, uh, it's tradition here, and uh, it's grown over the years. There are three movies now that my wife and I make sure we watch every holiday season, usually while wrapping gifts. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Love Actually. Oh. And, and Die Hard. I've, no, I've never We've seen Love the, Actually. That one, I, I, I'm not familiar with that. It's fine. You know, it's convoluted. But it's, it's Christmas. Fun. I get that. It's Christmas. Yeah, it's got, it's got some great Christmassy moments. But here's the thing. Of those three movies, Die Hard and Love Actually are more Christmas set than It's a Wonderful Life. And I think mm-hmm. most people would say It's a Wonderful Life is the epitome of Christmas movies. But what? Christmas only shows up in the last 20 minutes of that one. Now, do you think people still say that? I feel like It's a Wonderful Life when there were just three channels and a UHF channel, when you didn't have VCRs or VCRs were still new. Because of the nature of It's a Wonderful Life, it's like public domain. It was on every fucking channel. It was just shown throughout right. the year. So people grew up, and that is a tradition. That's how traditions are built. So I get that. But are people still going to that movie? Like, have your daughters ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? They have not. Uh, this is the year. This is the first year. Oh. We were going to do it last year, but I don't know. I probably got drunk or something. So it'll be this year. Well, that's a wonderful, uh, sad story. How old were you when you first, <laughs> first saw it? Oh, you know, it, It's a Wonderful Life is one of those Christmas movies that just always was. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, it was on all the time. It was on everywhere. Um, I probably remember seeing it around the age of six or seven. It was probably on before that. Um, I remember one year seeing it and, rem- and, and thinking, hey, that wasn't in last year's version of it. And so that's where I started to get the idea of how these movies were cut oh. and commercials took stuff away and some versions had this and some versions didn't. Um, so it was always kind of neat. I would watch it year after year growing up. 
um, before I owned it on DVD, and it was like there was always a little something new because something had always been missed the year before. Either I was changing the channel or it had just been cut. Okay, so that's... Um, so, yeah, I, you're right. Maybe maybe the younger generation isn't talking about It's a Wonderful Life as much. That's probably true. I probably hear Elf uh, more these days than anything else. a movie I've never seen, a 2002 movie maybe, 2004, somewhere around there. Two thousand something, but I so I, I mean I understand changing ties because some things stay and some don't. But but I get why people say it's their favorite Christmas movie, or at least it's a Christmas movie. And I don't think anything of them, and nobody's trying to prove anything. I guess why do you think it is, and do you do this? Why do people find such self-serving pleasure and such odd sort of like get me? I'm thinking outside the Christmas wrapped box and telling you, you being me in this scenario and, and, and whatever, that their favorite movie is Die Hard for the holidays. That that's their, like, why do you think people think it's such a shocking thing to say? Why are there memes about it? Why do people have arguments about it? Why do so many shows, Friends, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, third example, why do they all make it a point to have a character say, it's the greatest movie, it's the greatest holiday movie. It's like, we get it. It's set at Christmas. Of course, it's a holiday movie. Batman Returns, holiday movie. I understand. Why is there this culture behind forcing people to into a situation where they have to play the role of the person who doesn't think this, that doesn't think it's a holiday movie? Why is that? I have no answer for you, Tim. Um, I can only speak for myself. I just thought it was quirky and fun when I sort of started to realize that this could be considered a holiday movie. And so, yeah, you get into a conversation, you want to be different. And so if people are talking about Christmas movies, you want to be different. And you like the movie Die Hard. And so you say, Die Hard's my favorite Christmas movie. I don't say that it's the best Christmas movie. I don't think, I don't approach it that way. And even even today, like maybe, maybe I would talk about it, you know, when I started watching it around Christmas in college, um, or soon thereafter, I can't remember exactly when, but it's just a thing now. It's not anything new. I think Die Hard is more can be considered more of a Christmas movie than It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is uh, like a two and a half hour movie, and only the last twenty minutes happen at Christmas time. Everything else happens through various seasons in various stages. There's no holiday anything in the movie except near the end, and then that just happens to be when the event of of his life occurs i won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it um <laughs> whereas die hard hence <clears throat> i uh, believe it's christmas eve and it's at a holiday christmas party and there is uh, santa hats and there's ho 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 now i have a machine gun which i said i said that backwards <laughs> uh now i have a machine gun ho 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 um, there's snow at the end. There's there's uh, music. Even the score hints to, um, you know, uh, holiday hymns and, and themes and songs. So it is a Christmas movie. I think people think they're being quirky and cool because it's it's more of an action movie than a Christmas movie. Um, but it is a Christmas movie. And why do people need to get in your face about it, Tim? I don't know. They shouldn't have to. Because I think it should just be accepted. I don't think it's a quirk anymore. I think it should just be accepted that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Did you first see it at Christmas time? Like, when did you first see Die Hard? I don't know when it came out. I saw it when it came out. Was it a summer movie? No, it came out the summer of 88. Yeah. yeah. The end of the summer. So I saw it. At oh, so you saw it in the theater. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I started. I personally, why I would watch it at Christmas um, is because I think Die Hard is a movie 
that I want to watch at least once a year. So not Christmas. It fits. I love returning to Die Hard. That's great. No, that, that makes <laughs> sense. I, I, okay. Well, no, I, because the, it, it is a great movie, and, and I, I understand that. And and I'm just wondering when it, if it, if for you, and it sounds like you actually just answered it. So I don't have to ask this again. Maybe maybe I'm looking to point my fingers at some part of society. When did it shift into this? It's a holiday movie, not an action movie, or whatever. But but no, yeah. that 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 makes sense. What you're saying, and it sounds like you have a very strong spot in your heart for this movie. Like this is probably a top five kind of movie for you, maybe, or something oh, you yeah. want to make sure people top know. Five. Well, then you're probably very happy to know then that on today's episode, on this episode, on this particular uh, 20th Century Popcast Retroshock episode, we will be discussing uh, Die Hard 2. Yeah. Uh, Die Harder. Yes, right? The sequel, yes. the, the 1990 sequel to the movie that I bet you have a lot to say about. And have you, Die Hard 2, did you see it? Did you see it when it, uh, when it came out? I saw Die Hard 2 when it came out. Um, I couldn't place, we were talking before we started recording, I think, or maybe we did record this and, and you've already played it as the intro. I can't recall if we were recording, but I couldn't remember when it came out and you... Uh, said it came out in 1990. Mm-hmm. The um, summer so of 1990. I probably went to see it with uh, this group of friends that I would always go to the movies with on the weekends. Um, Rich and Matt and Jeff and Chris. Sometimes uh, Rich Kim. friends are the worst unless they pick up the bill. But <laughs> usually even when they pick up the bill, they're saying, don't worry, this is a tax write-off just so you know what kind of job they work. So rich friends are annoying. I'll agree. Understood. Um, but yeah, definitely saw it when it came out and then saw it often – uh, in the years following, haven't really seen it in about ten or fifteen years. Oh, but you've seen it more than that. once. You, you've watched. Oh it yeah, more I've than seen once. it a few times. Yeah. Do you remember liking it? Like, were you, I, I, were you excited I did for like it? it? Going back, to I was excited ex- again. Absolutely excited for it. I I enjoyed it at the time. I enjoyed it when I went back to it, and it's the, one of those movies. I think that if I were flipping around, you know, I'm laying in bed, flipping around, watching TV. If I saw that it was on. I would probably stay and continue to watch it. Huh. So I, I've only seen it once. I saw it when it came out in the theater. Maybe I've seen clips here or there on TV, but just the one time I was excited for it because I, by that point, had seen the first one, I think. I knew it. I must have seen it by then because I think it was a perennial holiday classic, so I was probably <laughs> seeing it you know, two Christmases in a row. But, but here's the thing. I mean, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, it's John McClane... He's on his own against terrorists. It's set during Christmas time. There's Christmas music. There's snow. There's Santa hats. I mean, all of these things are in play again. Like, it is a mm-hmm. sequel. There's a, there's a series of these now. There's five of them, I think. And, and I know that they progress a little bit where it becomes more of the superhero kind of character. But I think even at the time, 14 years old when it came out, prime audience for this, and I must have seen it with my dad or my brother. Somebody brought us to see it because we, were, we weren't, I say we, my friend Nate and I went to see it. We weren't 16 yet. But there's the obvious joke, if it's a joke or obvious reality, that it's just preposterous that it's once again a Christmas movie, meaning the makers of Die Hard 2 die harder because it must have gone into production quick to come out two summers later, they were already thinking Die Hard is an action movie. No, it's an action Christmas movie. Like in their <laughs> head was already that Die Hard takes place at the holidays. Let's yeah. replicate that. Like, does it have to be the holidays? I don't remember. 
Like, what do you remember of this movie? Uh, well, this movie um, is they're back on the East Coast, so they're in. I believe they're in Washington D.C. or Dulles Airport. I think that's D.C. Mm-hmm. And uh, John McClane has been spending time without his wife. Uh, with his in-laws, and now he's come to the airport to pick her up, and she's flying in, and there's a crazy storm, but I think the planes are landing, and another plane coming in has some sort of extradited uh, drug lord or uh, tyrant of some sort from another country. (laughs) The cast Um, of Tyrant, which may or may not have been canceled this season, I'm not sure. I think that was canceled. And so... uh, Not my tyrant (laughs) on possibly Fox or maybe Freeform or I don't know what it was airing on. The Ha Network. Was it Fox? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so as he's going to pick up uh, his wife, at the same time, this other group of terrorists, domestic terrorists, are there to to free... The guy that's coming in on the plane, their their plan is to to set him free, and John McClane, being so great at you know sniffing out the the bad guy, notices some weird stuff going on and follows somebody into a restricted area because he's a cop, he's allowed to do that, and it turns out, you know he finds that they've got guns and he's like something's going on and so he tries to get the airport to help him and no one in the staff will help him and so, so he's, he's isolated again he's a man he's, on his own again he's on his own ish mm-hmm. because he's well, it's on not his own too much i know i asked you what do you remember of it it sounds like you remember the film so that's I remember great the film. i have not yes. seen it so i, I do i want to i'm sorry i, I kind of want to go in a little no a little, i hear little, you a little, little surprise but, got, but you got you guide me well no it's not, i mean you're setting up the movie very well and it, again it sounds similar I'm curious to see it because, one, I want to see how similar it is to the first one because it was an immediate follow-up. This had to go into production pretty quick. And so how much of it just mimics the first one? And if it does mimic the first one so much, why doesn't it have a following? And two, it's all blocked out of my mind. I don't remember this movie at all. At mm. all. I think I think the father from Good Times, John Amos, is in it. But that's <laughs> the only is. thing. I can, and I know that William Atherton, the the, um, the journalist from the first one, he plays Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. He's hilarious and real genius. He's in it again as well. Another callback, a return character. And I think, I think this was happening in the 90s. I think the Lethal Weapon movies repeated themselves. These movies repeated themselves. I'm told the Police Academy movies repeated themselves. <laughs> but uh, it'd be interesting to look at what it what in this movie is repeated and what works and what is just there to, to, to sort of fill that quota of action-packed Christmas classic as it is. So why don't we prep ourselves with, I was going to say nutmeg, it's eggnog is the word I was looking for. I was going to try to paint. Which you add, you add nutmeg to the eggnog. Do you? I mean, I don't, I don't I drink it. So. so I don't I'm know. not an, yeah, I don't drink it either. Okay, I was trying to set like a warm Christmas view as if we were doing this with a what fire burning. What about some spiked warm cider? Okay. That's what I like. Well, then some, sp- are you having that now? Well, there's no cider. Oh, it's just a spiked glass. So why don't we spike yeah. our veins and check out uh, Die Hard 2 Die Harder. And when we come back, we'll have seen it. Or if I misread the VHS tape, maybe I'll just watch Die Hard again. Merry Christmas, I don't want to fight tonight with 
Okay, so now it's time for part two of our Die Hard 2 Retro Shock. It is. Actually, we neglected to do a part of part one, uh, which I, I felt like we were on a bit of a run with the past couple of Retro Shocks. We normally do a dumb little segment called uh, Good Memory or Bad Memory before we watch it, just in terms of going back to this thing, how we, how we perceive it. Was this a good memory for you or a bad memory, Die Hard 2? It was a, it was a good memory. Uh, for sure, I'd watched it a lot. Uh, really? I, oh, yeah. you've you've watched this multiple times before. Yes, not, I, not from I, today, but prior prior to recent reviewing, I hadn't watched it in 10, 15 years. Um, but before that, it was one of the few. My, here's the thing: my mom is a big fan of what she calls action blow 'em ups. Oh, action blow 'em ups! Yes, like a, like a doll, yeah. a mattress, maybe another doll. No, 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 no! Movies in which action takes place and things blow up. Oh, okay. Well, this is. Does she yeah. like the Lethal Weapon movies? She likes the Lethal Weapon movies. She loves the Die Hard movies. Is this her uh, favorite? Would she say that Die Hard Two Die Harder no, is her favorite. No, I'm I'm pretty sure, much like the rest of society, she's going to say the first Die Hard is her mm-hmm. favorite. Um, but she enjoyed this and had this. So this was on, uh, we didn't have a lot of VHS, uh, movies, uh, but this was one of them that we had in the house. Did you have so, the first one? Did you have Die Hard yeah, 1? Yeah, we, we, we had the first one, we had this one. And mm-hmm. so it was often a double feature. So I watched it a lot then. And, it, you know, if I was home from school or, uh, home from, you know, not succeeding in life and trying to get <laughs> my feet back under me, uh... There weren't too many movies to pop on, and so this was one of them. So I've seen it a few times, and it was a, a happy memory. I enjoyed the movie back then. Oh, okay. I mean, I... How about you? Well, I only saw it once. I saw it in the theater when it came out in 1990. So going into it, I guess I would say bad memory just because I had <clears throat> no memory of this. Like, I don't even really remember being that excited for it in the theater. It didn't really stick with me. I mean, I had the gist of it, but that's kind of because... The gist of the plot is the plot of the first one, so I can kind of piece that together. But yeah, I didn't have any memory of it, but I was curious, but I, I wasn't expecting to uh, to like it going into it this time. Um, I mean, kind of right off the bat, this movie has a dumb title. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 but here's the thing. It's Die Hard to Die Harder. Does that even make structural sense as like a, like a, like a sentence? Uh, I, I don't. I don't believe it does. I'm I'm no grammar Nazi, but no, it doesn't quite make sense. Watching it this time, I'm fairly convinced that the makers of this movie, the writer, the director, maybe not Bruce Willis, but a lot of people involved, I think they're also aware that it's a dumb title. I think they're kind of aware that this might be a dumb movie i feel like this whole film all of die hard 2 is based on that one line that i remember from the trailer and i remember it getting a big laugh and i remember it actually the the footage in the trailer i think is different from how it's said in the movie but sure. basically there's a scene and i know i'm jumping ahead there's a scene after the movie gets moving a little bit where bruce willis i know he's playing john mcclain but i'm going to say bruce willis here um, doesn't know which camera he's playing to so he doesn't actually look at the audience but he says the line how can the same thing happen to the same guy twice? Right. And that's the ultimate uh, 
hanging a lantern on something. You know yeah. that phrase, the whole you hang a lantern on it? This yeah. this is the ultimate <clears throat> hang a lantern on it movie. And possibly my first encounter with this, you know, as a kid, this might have been the first time where I was even aware that, oh, wait a minute, they're acknowledging this as a sequel. They acknowledge Gremlins it. 2 did it in a different way, but I, I feel that way. I mean, yeah. I, th- I, I have to think, having just watched this, because I'm going to say this up front, I, I hated this movie. I'll just sure. say that. Um, I have to think that the filmmakers made this with some irony or some humor, that everyone's in on it, that they knew that basically they were hired to just replicate the success of the first one, which they did. This came out two years later, and... I, I guess, I mean, do you think they're aware of it? Do you think this movie is all about saying, we know this is a dumb concept, we know we're regurgitating it, here it is again? Or do you think it's just the lazy writing? I think it's I think it's lazy writing um, because that's not the only time it's referenced. It's like eight or 12 other times in the movie where, you know, someone, like there's one where um, someone says, you're the wrong guy in the wrong place, pal. And he says, story of my life. Uh, and then later, Bonnie Bedelia, near the end, she repeats the same thing. Why does this keep happening to us? <clears throat> so, yeah, I think it's lazy writing because I don't even think, if I remember correctly, that this was originally written as a diehard sequel. Like, I think what they did, and I think they did it with the third movie, too, is they took an existing spec screenplay, uh, some action movie about some other guy in an airport, and turned it. Yeah, into John McClane. So, yeah, so I think it's like they've got that sequence and that inf- that plot and that dialogue. Well, let's throw in some sequel dialogue. You know what I mean? It's like let's make sure that they know it's John McClane that's in this movie. Well, and I think they're just repurposing a script, so it doesn't necessarily mean they're clever. But you're saying let's put John McClane in this. I- I've got to say right off the bat, I'm going to ask you because I know you love the first Die Hard. I like the first Die Hard. You love it. In this movie – Given what we have in Die Hard, I mean John McClane. I do. Do we like John McClane? Like he's a good character. Like this movie sets him up in about four minutes at the beginning with that weird little. Um, he has some dialogue when his car is getting towed there right. at the beginning, and we, we set up a little bit that you know he's he's kind of an everyman. And I know he hates technology, and I know he's kind of he's a tough cop, and he just sees behind the times, I guess, but. Well, who was John McClane in the first Die Hard? What made him appealing to you? Or what still holds your attention to John McClane? Well, yeah, watching – and I'll, I'll get this out of the way too. Um, I did not enjoy watching this movie uh, this time around. No, you did no. not. And you've yeah. watched it a lot. This isn't like yeah. you're just coming back to it for the time. Yeah, no, I've watched it qu- quite a bit. And I guess I've just you know uh, um, aged better than the movie has. Uh, at least I hope. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, It's not the John McClane that I got to know in the first movie. In the first movie... So who is that John McClane? Who, uh, yeah. Who he's, is he is, he's just a guy who doesn't want to change. He's a New York City cop who feels like he's got to be the breadwinner, um, who suddenly is finding himself uh, that the, his wife is a bit more successful than he is and is moving along in her career. And that takes her away from New York city out to Los Angeles. And he's not going to, he refuses to go. He's not going to just, you know, uh, jump when she says jump. And I think that's an old fashioned thing. And I think he's coming around to that in, in Die Hard. The whole technology thing wasn't to my recollection, wasn't in Die Hard. It's, it's not like he's, 
afraid of technology or, or doesn't. Oh, no. I thought that was a carryover that they were just playing up. But no, no. I it, think that was even if an addition. I think they were trying to – I saw that this time as like just this little add-on. It's like, oh, let's make him relatable uh, some more because that's kind of the selling point of the first Die Hard. He's sort of relatable in a way in that he's just an everyman. He's not. But how is that relatable to not get 1990s technology or at this point, 1980s technology? Because we're only into 1990. Why is that what we want from our hero? Our hero who knows everything about guns, knows how to load any firearm, can drive a snowmobile, can walk up a luggage rack. I mean, he's not an idiot. No. But he's also, he's not John McClane in this movie, is it? I mean, this is Bruce Willis, right? This is Bruce Willis running around being proud of himself. It's also what you mentioned in in the first half. You had talked about how every subsequent movie becomes more of a superhero and not a person. And I think this is the Does he? Because I I remember liking the third one. The the next one I like very much, and I I don't remember him necessarily being super heroic. Well, I think I think the things he does are more outlandish from movie to movie than than the first movie. The things he survives, the things he the action sequences are bigger, the things he survives are bigger. Um, whereas in the first movie, um it was almost MacGyver esque sometimes where he was just taking what he had and figuring out a way to make it work. Whereas in these subsequent movies, <laughs> he's just running around, blowing stuff up left and right. Um, you know, so that that's completely lost. I think in, in this one, now, do you think that's Bruce Willis is doing? Do you think he's like, here's what I want. I've got to say now, because Part of the charm of Die Hard is Bruce Willis wasn't an action star yet, yet right? I, th- I mean, I knew him from Moonlighting. Yeah. He's kind of this fun guy. He's throwing some jokes in. My my assumption, and maybe you know this in the first Die Hard, is that was Bruce Willis's main contribution. He threw some jokes in, some little one-liners, whatever. And this one, all of, all of his jokes in this fucking movie, they seem like they're 80 yard and later. Yeah. You know, like something's going on and you don't quite see his face, but you hear him go, what's this, a tag team or something? Because people are jumping oh, on each other. The, uh, um, under the, uh, the parachute. And he's like, where's the door on this thing? Or, or at the very end, not to jump ahead, where one of the bad guys, and we'll get to this in a little bit later, but says to him, I liked you, John McClane. It's too bad you're a good guy. And he shouts back, I've got enough friends. Yeah. I mean, these are the things that he shouts. I actually really like it when he didn't have a right. comeback. Like there's a scene where I think it's, I forget why, but he jumps off of something and then the guy above goes, good luck, John McClane. And he looks up and you're expecting him to say something, <laughs> anything. He just kind of glances around, nods his head and wanders <laughs> off camera. I mean, it just it feels like they were saying, just be Bruce Willis. Or he was saying, I'm going to be Bruce Willis. And it, it kind of points out that I don't think John McClane is a sequel character, is he? I mean, do you, I don't think he needs no. something that loots him if he constantly encounters the unencounterable. Right. Exactly, yeah. And that's, that's why, yeah, I mean, that's why the, the subsequent movies are not diehard John McClane movies. They are action movies. Happen to have a guy in it that is named John McClane. But this movie, this Die Hard 2, I mean, what what do we get in this? I, I will say there are two actors in this movie um, that I am happy to see. And, and we get to see them early on. And I was like, okay, I'll give this movie a chance. Because right at the beginning, we get to see 
And we mentioned him in the Total Recall episode. There's the, the guy from Total Recall who's not Ernie Sabellica or Sabella or whatever. Right. He's I forget the actor's name, but he's kind of like this. Um, he's a traffic cop at the beginning. Yeah. He's this brash, obnoxious cop Brooklyn. who kind of gets into this shouting match uh, with Bruce Willis over towing his car. And and and, and I like that. I like that aspect. I like that start. I guess. But it, it moves pretty quick. We see that okay, the world doesn't fit. John McClane doesn't fit in the world. And then he gets inside. He's at the airport and he basically tells everyone who's listening why he's there what he's doing there blah 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 and they set it up pretty quick and and that's fine i mean this movie wastes no time does the first one i don't remember how quickly things start the the first first one one takes takes varies because it's a new concept yeah it it slowly builds up i mean it starts with him on the plane landing uh then he gets a, a limo to the building uh, this intercuts with these other characters we don't know yet, also heading, you know, it, it, in a truck going somewhere. Uh, I'm not going to let you do this. You just want to talk about the first one. I know I just asked, but no, we're not going to talk about sure. the first one because we like the first one. It's hard to talk about this because it is just a rehash of that. But this one does move quickly, right? We yeah, and I, don't, right I mean, you keep it. saying it's a rehash. I don't know that it is a rehash. What aspect of it? Are Why you is that Christmas? Is this one a Christmas rehash. movie? What What are the rehashes of the first one? Do you want me to tell? Okay. Yeah. Well, in the first I mean, Die Hard, yeah. John McClane is an everyman cop who isn't supposed to be in the area that he's in, and he takes charge in a terrorist situation and saves the day. And I don't think he does that here. That's this movie. He, that he, he's in an airport. He's brandishing a badge in this obnoxious American gun-bearing way where it's like he's just out of – town cop but the only cop who can do the business because he's a plainclothes cop flashing his bag around saying you gotta go check this out you go check out those terrorists then he has a shootout in a luggage room (laughs) like right off the bat like i know it's an action movie i know i guess you could say well he's trying to do the best but he's a jerk no he is he's 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 a jerk jumping into everybody in this movie is an asshole to everybody else Oh, it's so obnoxious. I, every character, and I'm trying to think, was this 90s movies? You just have all the tough talking characters, like the fucking lines like uh, stack them, pack them, right. and rack them, bar, steel, kill. Like you got characters who have no character, but it's like, well, here's the tough, I guess, Air Force. What, what, what is the name of the guy who's in charge of the uh, airport who kind of shows up? He's got like a southern yeah, drawl. Uh, What's Fred that Thompson, position right? called? The actor is Fred Thompson. I have no idea of the character's name. Good for you. Or the actor's name. What is that position called? Was he president like of the, the airport uh, or, or, or I don't ambassador know, flight, of the Jets? Flight uh, control officer, CEO. But he just steps up. Yeah, and he just starts talking dumb cliches. Like, let's get these chickens on the bench or we punch in barn doors with a rake or something. It's a dumb yep. caricature. It's like a 70s airport character. Tough talking male. And this movie is... All tough talking males in the most chauvinistic way. Even, even what's uh, is it Holly? Yeah. Is that his wife? Holly Gennaro. His name? Yeah, she gets a couple. Yeah, she gets a couple of lines off. But everyone's just a jerk mm-hmm. male mm-hmm. in this movie, and and it's just dumb little. Like none of them are characters. Like there are characters in the first movie, from what I remember. There's also obnoxious. There's the obnoxious team that Alan Rickman puts together. But but. This is just caricature after caricature that we're supposed to go into and like. We're supposed to like the fact that this guy doesn't take any bullshit. He's just telling them, like, I just hate it. He looked kind of like Mitchell yeah. from, from yeah. Mitchell, Taller. this particular character. 
and he sucked. You know, and, and there's the the villain is just a dull person. He also has these kind of conversations. Like, you know, they say a blind man who can't see cash will eat up compensation or some shit like that. It's obnoxious yeah, it's dialogue. And, you know, like, a, like Quentin Tarantino wasn't even around yet, but I just feel like this is a paler Tarantino. And I know it's an 80s action film at heart, you know, but but we've got the first one. Like, there's no one to attach to in this movie. I hated the janitor guy, the SpongeBob <laughs> janitor guy. That actor thinks he's doing good work. He's just this slow, dull man child who makes these cute references to World War II. Aren't I adorable? I don't know how the alphabet works for maps. Like, I hated that character. I hated the, the news reporters just got to get the scoop. I got to get the scoop. The worst fucking reporters pushes onto an elevator and then walks off the elevator. It's like trying to get the scoop. Like, the only. There's two people in this movie I enjoy. Three. Okay. okay. I guess there's three, actually. We finally found something we like. What do we like? Well, the first one, and it's just a glimmer. And I think it's in that first – I'm trying to think of the action sequences. The first one is a luggage room sequence, which is <clears throat> sets the movie up to be a little ridiculous in that they're in a they're, – all this luggage is moving right. around to get on the plane. But it happens to just be weapons-ready luggage. Like, here comes Casey Jones' bag of golf clubs. So now he's got a golf club. And here's some unpacked bicycles you can ride around the airport. It's just it, – it's there's you can see that it's a gimmick. It's like, wouldn't it be great if they're in a room and just grabbing anything for a fight? But what do they grab? They grab a golf club. He rides a bike. And he only does this because a piece of luggage, a bag, somebody's lost piece of baggage, right. knocks the gun from his hand to a lower platform he can't and john mcclain can't grab it so they go kind of cartoony with all like just basically throwing they have like a package fight a gift fight throwing boxes around and it's the tone that's the first sequence but that just feels like this is a sequence like the first die hard i seem to remember it felt like realistic scenarios and situations but i don't know what the tone of this was this was just kind of like almost like a video game. Like we've got this, we can get you into a, a luggage room for four hours, Mister McTiernan. Do you want to direct there? I do. Can you have a bag of something in there? And they just made this dumb segment. But um, I'm, I'm I'm talking through this. To, I think the second segment is the one that has one of the characters I, I I like in it. There's another airport fight scene where are they like the the bad guys are painting a room in explosive is that what it is they're like undercover are you, no, with no, no. This are you talking about when they're maybe? walking to the the transmitter annex with the SWAT team <clears throat> and they come across guys that appear to be painting the the new walls but with buckets that say highly explosive that aren't disguised buckets, yes, those oh, did guys. Did they say highly explosive? I didn't even notice that. They did. That's how I knew that's what they're doing. The reason I like this sequence is Robert Patrick, the T-1000 right. from Terminator 2, which he'll play the following year. He's in this briefly, looking yes. really young. There's a lot of people. Did you know John Leguizamo is one of the terrorists as well? I did not know that. Yeah. This and is I, I would this be the first scene. thing I would have seen him in probably. Okay. No, I didn't know that. I don't know if I would have been thrilled to know that, but um, no, I was happy to see Robert Patrick, but it's just, it's a scene again. It's this thing where it's like, well, we have one of these automated people movers that people can stand on. It's like an escalator, but flat. Ooh, can we film in there? And it's just nothing exciting happened. I actually paused this scene to go to the bathroom when I came back. That's when a huge explosion came on and I already forgot why it was happening. I was like, why, what, what? Why did this occur? Right. But, you know, I got to see Robert Patrick. So there's that. Um, who else? Well, I mean, Reginald Vell Johnson comes back. He was fantastic. Um, the character from the first. Was he? He was good. He was. I mean, I, I, can, um, I can watch him eat a 
Well, I can watch him try to open a Twinkie all day. I could watch him deep throat a Twinkie all day. I'm just happy that they took the uh, the time and the effort to create a scene that wasn't in this original spec script uh, to keep him involved so you could be reminded early on that this is, in fact, a sequel to Die Hard. But that's why they're doing oh, it. Because sure. honestly, he has no I know that. And the first Die Hard, Reginald Vell Johnson and, and Bruce Willis form a little bond over the phone. They meet at the end and they hug. This movie, which takes place a year later, he calls Reginald Vell Johnson up. What's that character's name? I'm sorry, I should be calling him by the uh, actor's name. Character name. Al. Pa- yeah, Al. Uh, is, I can't remember his last Al? name. Al? Yeah. He calls up Al a year later, and and they're acting like they go through this all the time. Al's acting like he's kind of his James Bond Q. Like, I know whenever you show up, insurance premiums start shooting up or something. Yeah. Like, they have this rapport, which makes me think they kept in touch, I well, guess. He's, he's but an LA, he's an L.A. cop now. That's the big thing that he's saying. I'm an L.A. cop. So they early on established that he has moved to L.A. with his wife. He's he's a changed man, and, and he's there to support her, and he's now an L.A. cop. So I got the repertoire between uh, Al and, 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 and Bruce there to be more uh, establishment of the fact that he's been out there, maybe even partnered with him, worked on cases with him over the last year. But has he? I, I got the feeling that he's just calling him up. I mean – he, that's not the kind of cop Bruce Willis is. He's not a superhero. He's just people know him from the one thing he did at Nakatomi Plaza. They keep saying that you're the guy from Nakatomi Plaza. And then they just throw in this character and say, like, remember the thing you liked in Die Hard? Yeah. Here he is. The uh, I'm surprised that the 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 guy who drove the limo didn't wasn't working at the airport now because people seem to like that sure. character well, I, too. I, that was supposed to be the janitor, I think, was the uh the replacement for Argyle. <laughs> Uh, Argyle, thank you. That's his name instead of Darned Sock, whatever this dumb character is. But just like I liked seeing Reginald Bill Johnson because we had just watched Family Matters two <laughs> weeks ago and I enjoyed that. And I liked him in the first movie, but there was no purpose no, for him was- there. That whole scene with it, where it's just Bruce Willis flirting with this girl to use the fax machine, which he doesn't know how to use in 1990, even though he's a cop who works at a cop office, whatever it's called. It just it seemed like it was saying, "Remember this, sure. remember this." Yeah. It was just flashing you little hold me ups of things, and and it just it did not have my attention. It did not, and I was happy to see him, but I was just like, "This is out of place," because suddenly they have this rapport that. They're not friends. They went through something together, but I don't get the feeling well, again, that. Yeah, they- I think that that's what they were trying to imply. I think that's what they were trying to imply. It being a year later, they were trying to show, hey, how the relationship has evolved, just in this brief little bit, oh, since we okay. weren't there to see it. Then why not make a movie that's in fucking Los Angeles so we can see it? Like, why? This is what I'm saying. Why is this? Die Hard, and we're talking about in the first half how annoyed I get, but it's true. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Why set this one at Christmas again? Because Christmas doesn't really play into this. It's not like it's a Christmas party. I guess it's Christmas flights. But why why set this in D.C.? Why not do something in Los Angeles with with this cop partner? Then what what is the purpose of making this movie? Do you think it? You don't think it's a, a ripoff of the first one, do you? I, I don't think it's a it's a. It's a beat for beat ripoff of of the original. No, I don't. Even, you know, you think it's an original think, new idea? No, I don't think it's an original new idea. I think, you know, if you think about it, it's always you've got Die Hard, and then you've got Die Hard on a bus, and then you've got Die Hard on a plane. This is not Die Hard in an airport. It's not that he's not alone. Yes, it is. It's yeah, but he's set not in an though. Airport. He's, 
It, it is, but it's not diehard in an airport. Diehard on a bus, speed is diehard on a bus because you've got Keanu Reeves and he's the only guy that's on that bus. He's got some help from the outside, just like John McClane did in the first one. He is mm-hmm. in this airport and he is with people and fighting with people and helping people and trailing people. Now, he's alone in that none of them want his help, but he's going to help anyway. <laughs> he's alone in that none of the audience wants him either. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's not it's not like he's the only one that knows and the police have been somehow cut off from him and he's still got to figure out a way to stop this thing from happening. No, he is, he's the smart one. He gets a guy to help him out. He's nothing would be happening if John McClane wasn't pointing him in the right direction. That's what's so annoying. Dennis Franz but, is there as like the police chief of the airport and he's a bumbling moron. But he the guy with the he doesn't point anybody in the right direction. They all disagree with him, and they all are doing it their own way. And that's how he's so he's alone. That's how he's alone. But it's it doesn't have the same uh, feel. It doesn't have appeal. the same. It doesn't have the same appeal as watching one guy stuck in there by himself trying to figure it out. This is one guy who ultimately is an asshole, shouldn't be involved in this in any way, shape, or form. We're supposed to care about it because his wife is on a plane. So he's got to do it because his wife is up there. We're supposed to care about it because we like Die Hard. We like the first one. So we should be getting the same character. Well, I mean, if you're talking about the movie, I think think we're supposed to care about his mission. Um, the, The whole, I think what the screenwriters were trying to do is make it, you know, uh, uh, meaningful to that character to try and do something about the situation because his wife is going to crash if he can't help figure it out. I think because everybody's a, a asshole. That's not why he's doing it, though. He's doing it because he's, he wants to do what's right. He even says, I want to do what's right. He even says that, I think, at a part. I think. Maybe I said it. Like, just do something right. <laughs> Maybe. But – I, I just feel like I do. I know that there, his wife's up in the air, and there is that tension of it because they're at an airport. There's a villain. Like I didn't even really get that. The, it's very convoluted. Oh, it's ridiculous. That's the other difference uh, between the first one and this one is that there's so much going on in so many characters. Uh, I wouldn't say there's much going on. It's just not connected. There is the reporter on the air and there's the Holly on the airplane. There are all the pilots on the on the plane. That's right. William Atherton yeah. comes back, the reporter William from Atherton. the first one. Colmini. Colmini shows up as, as a guy. So then you also – Is that O'Brien from uh, The Next Generation? Is that who that is? He's on The Next Generation. I don't know his character. I think it's but O'Brien because yeah, Col- he's Irish. <clears throat> he's the dad from The Commitments. Oh, is he? Yeah. I think he's um, also the O'Brien from The Next Generation. I think you're right. Uh, you also have – so, yeah, you've got the uh, – I don't know, the, the the South American terrorist drug lord guy. You've got the terrorists locally that are trying to, to save him. You've got the tower guys, including uh, uh, Mitchell, and then the, the little smart <laughs> gray-haired guy who seems to know – how everything works and figures out different ways to do things. Oh, I like um, that character. Yeah, the character was okay. He, he was fine. 
he had an Argyle moment of where you're like, all right, he did something. Because isn't there a scene in Die Hard where the Argyle character punches out the either uh, runs his car into a van or punches him and he looks yeah. happy? Yeah, like I, that's probably my favorite scene in the first one. Because I'm like, oh, that's subtle. That's a happy and, guy. And I still we still haven't gotten to the the police cop, the airport police, and then also the John Amos um, military. John Amos, that was the other character I was happy to see. I like John Amos. So compared yeah. to the first movie. Where you've got John McClane, the terrorists, and the cops on the outside. There's so much more happening here. And then there's the twists of everybody actually is working for everybody else kind of thing. Um, which, you know, we'll go ahead and sp- – Yeah, go ahead and spoil it because that's yeah. a legitimate twist. To be it's honest, a, that was the one thing. I vaguely remembered it. It's but a fine yeah, twist. Was- um, having seen the movie so many times, it's – you know, they don't mask it very well. Um but so what's the twist for 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 just to sum it so up? So John Amos comes in as the military presence to help from Good Times. If you're yeah. trying to get a picture in your head, the dad from Good yes, Times, yes, and he is in to take down the, the the bad terrorists. Well, it turns out they're all in cahoots. Um, this has been planned, and, mm-hmm. and they were specifically brought in. And uh, they were all going to escape together with the uh, the drug lord. So that's the convoluted plan I don't understand. So, yeah, we have this initial, I don't know the actor's name. He's doing naked squat thrusts at the beginning of the movie. The initial terrorist who's rescuing or trying to extradite, rescue from being or extradite this war criminal. So they're, they're going about that to try to get him on a plane to get him out of the country. And then because they blow up a plane, they uh, they take over the airport in this very convoluted, intricate, I'm like thinking that really happened way of taking over the right. airport. And so none of the flights can land because all the power goes out. And that kind of sets up why Holly, Bruce Willis's wife in the movie is up in the air. But they um, they managed to demonstrate something. They, they crash one of the planes. It's actually, it's uh, O'Brien from The Next Generation's plane. They crash... It has a scene where Bruce Willis is trying to help the plane land, but it still crashes because of all this stuff. And also has a scene where I thought he was going to find a burnt teddy bear. He finds a burnt doll. Yeah. Same thing. You know, it's like, oh, a child was on yeah. board. But so because that plane crashed, which crashed in the response to the people who uh, Mitchell there not giving in to the terrorist demands, because that crashed, they call in the Marines, the Air Force. They call in some special military op group to help with this situation that's led by John Amos. Right. He's called in to take down this guy who he's actually working with. It's clever, but that's impossible <laughs> for that to have worked out as a plan because he was called in because the plane exploded. Were they always going to detonate the plane? Is that part of their plan? Yeah. That, uh, who knows? Who knows? And I don't. Well, think, someone should know. I don't think they there should want, be some. I don't think they care. I don't think they want you to to worry about that part. They just want you to know. So that why did you used to watch this? You said you watched this a lot. I'm no. I know. I just cut you off. I'm, just, I'm, trying, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure out because you don't like this movie. I hate this movie. What was the appeal growing up? Why did you keep watching this uh, at that that time? And with the limited resources. Um, it was there and it was, it was popcorn. It was a silly, fun movie um, at that time. So what did you enjoy about it as a kid? Because you would have been, what, 14 oh, or 15? Yeah, I enjoyed, you know, you enjoy the action. You enjoy the sequences. You enjoy trying to figure out how he's going to get out of it. Uh, you enjoy 
watching the grenades blow up the cockpit as he hits the uh, eject button and and gets blown out of there. Um, oh, that hilarious yeah, scene! That, that was in the trailer. I do remember that image. That's a pretty fucking. Funny I, you know, image. I remember the the trailer images a lot. I must have seen the trailer a hundred times, I guess. But yeah, there. I guess that's, so. Yeah. That's in the trailer, and then the 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 scene which I thought was pretty poignant in the trailer, but it, it's just kind of a throwaway. Um, is when it uh, kind of uh, the camera pulls in or pushes in on on Holly in shadow doing the sign of the cross, um, you know, as her plane might be going down. Uh, and that in the, in the trailer, I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be so intense. It ends up not being all that intense. Um, yeah. It's, but you liked it, right? What, yeah, something about this know, had just, your attention. Yeah, it was just silly action at that time. I really enjoyed silly action. Um, and as But is as the first diehard silly action? No, and as I've grown, um, it's the first diehard I return to because it's more than that. It's it's smart action. It's an interesting plot. It was fresh at the time and, and still feels fresh to me. Um, and yeah, so just as you grow, you experience more, you realize what's good and what's not so great. And so, yeah, Die Hard became the regular Christmas time film <clears throat> and Die Hard 2 uh, can rot in hell. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm finding we can't even really talk about this movie. It's such a waste. It's such a waste of time. It's and it, and it's hateful, and it's all this rah rah tough guy America. I mean, I look. I was happy to see that he was smoking. I'm like, that's right. You could smoke in the airports back then. But it's so much swearing, so much gunslinging. Is the first one like this? I haven't watched the first one in a couple of years. It, it, is is it similar where the people are kind of like '80s male jerks? Yeah, yeah, that's there. And and John McClane, you know, toes that line. Um, and then there are other characters that go way over the line, um, but not to the degree that this movie and others had done, to my recollection. So why make multiple John McClane movies? Why keep coming back to this character? What is it? Like, do people like the jokes, the quips, the uh, funny things he says? You know, I don't know, because I stopped, there- I stopped going back to John McClane after the third one. I, I oh really? I saw the fourth one. I haven't I think seen we talked the about fourth the first and the fifth half. one, um, and I only saw the I, third. I remember one the once. third one as being good. I remember liking the third I, one. I didn't care for it the first time I saw it. Um, I like ah. I liked like the first forty five minutes, and then it becomes a different movie. And again, I think it's this kind mm. of thing where they had two spec scripts, uh, at, like the simple Simon. You know, Simon says script was one thing and then like the back half of it was was another movie entirely um so i like the beginning of it um but i and i never i'm not interested in going back i don't need to see that and i don't feel like i'm missing anything uh having not seen the other two <laughs> why do they have to go through all this work to make a fucking john McClane movie why because the first die hard i think it's based on a book this one it's based on a pre-existing screenplay and another book or something why can't they just sit down and peg something for this character why adapt so much to make it work and who's asking for it that's the thing like i don't find john McClane funny in this no. movie I didn't laugh at a single thing he said. You know, I may have chuckled at the ridiculousness of after the whole ejecting from the airplane, crashing like you had pointed out, crashing down to earth with the parachute. You don't even see him. You just, again, hear an 80-yard voice go, where's the exit on this thing? Or something yeah. like that. And I was like, I don't even think I laughed. I was just like, that's dumb. 
I don't. I don't believe the connection to his wife. Really, I don't believe. Plus, I kept getting confused because they eventually get divorced. Maybe it's in the third one or something. So I was, I was a little confused that they were still mm-hmm. together in this one. But yeah, and, th- and they only get divorced because she didn't want to do another movie. You know, it's like there's not there's, <laughs> there's not even like a progression to the character. It's just well, what do we have to do this time to make our our characters fit in? What characters do we have? What characters don't we have? All right, let's just kind of make it up as we go. Let's just add John McClane's name to this movie. And why, though? That's the thing. And I, I this ties in a little bit. Both you and I saw The Last Jedi, the new Star Wars movie. And without getting into it, because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, and because it's this century and we're not talking about it, but there, 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 there's an aspect to that. Like, I get why The Last Jedi exists. I, I really enjoyed it, by the way. And I loved it. We're not talking about that. But it did something. You know, it had a right. story. <laughs> It had a different story. And I know there's similarities to past movies, but it tried something. It did something new. It didn't just rehash something. The Force Awakens, which I enjoy. It's a fun movie. rehashes a lot of the original one, has some new elements, but it's familiar. It's also 30, almost 40 years in between. Die Hard 2 came out two years after the first Die Hard. And it's just, it's, it's an obvious just cash yeah. grab. Like, why, why is it that we need sequels to shit? We don't. We, when you say we, do you mean the audience? I do. I mean, I, you and I, I guess. We don't. I don't need a sequel. The, the, the studios want to repeat the amount of money they made. But if they made a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one, people went. People went to see more John McClane movies. People go, but if it hadn't been there, nobody would have been, at least not me, I wouldn't have been like, where's my John McClane movie? Right? I'm going to start a petition that says you need to make another John McClane <laughs> movie. That would not have happened. But since there is one, and I kind of remember liking him from the first movie, and those sequences, which is all that matters in these films now anyway, looked cool. Let me go see what those sequences are going to look like on the big screen. I don't care what the story's about, but if they're going to blow something up... <laughs> In a really cool way, maybe I want to see that. I mean, can you? And that's what the studios are ho- hoping for. Can you think of a legitimate movie that you've seen that you've liked that you didn't feel like needed a sequel? Like something that was self contained. Not something that never got a sequel, but something that was just like, that was a great movie and that's it. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe because Bruce Willis is on my mind, but I just thought of The Fifth Element. Okay. You didn't have the feeling like, I want to I come back to this world or you weren't expecting a sequel to that. I was not expecting a sequel if, if I'm not clamoring for one. I thought that was a nice, <laughs> self-contained story. I like that movie. A lot of people don't, but I, I like that movie. Um, mm-hmm. Fun movie. I don't think we needed a sequel to The Fugitive, but I do like what they did. Got at one. Least we got one, but at least we got a different one, like the one that you wouldn't expect. It's not like suddenly you know, Harrison it? Ford. Exactly. People love that character like that, that much. Character. People really love the to- no. People love Tommy Lee Jones. There's no character to Tommy Lee Jones. It's like there's no character to John McClane. It's just Bruce Willis spouting off jokes, looking sad when his wife's in danger, and doing Bruce Willis ticks. I hated this movie because I used to love Bruce Willis. I hated Bruce Willis in this movie, and I yeah. apologize, Bruce Willis. I think you're very talented. There's a lot of movies, including The Fifth Element, that we like of yours, Mr. Willis. 
That's right. And I love Hudson Hawk. And this movie is Hudson Hawk without the jokes. Dick <laughs> character with no redeeming qualities. Hudson Hawk, he's redeemable with the jokes. And I actually really do enjoy that movie. I do too. I feel like this was around that time. I think Die Hard kind of vaulted him into fame. And he was kind of an unstoppable juggernaut. But only for a couple years, right? Because Pulp Fiction was kind of his comeback movie, wasn't it? No, I thought he was still kind of Bruce Willis around that time. I, f- I always felt like the Sixth Sense... Was a was of a comeback movie. So no, well that's and that's almost a decade after this. Yeah. That that makes sense. I don't know. This movie boggles my mind. Like I know, yes, this people make sequels. I'm not an idiot. I get it. But this as a movie, like there's nothing to talk about. I'm shocked that you had it on VHS. I'm shocked <laughs> you've seen this more than once yeah. because there's nothing to this movie. I don't know anyone who talks about this movie. I thought we were going to get a lot out of this, yeah. talking about 90s action movies or whatever. Were all 90s action movies this bland? Like This is a bland. I can't imagine putting two hours of my life aside to see this. I think this. a lot of them are, especially if they're sequels. I think you might have some fun with the with the first movies in, in some of these, but the, the sequels, I think, you know, diminishing returns every time. No, and this movie kind of made me not like the first one. I have no interest in... Oh, blasphemy! Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> people are... People you, can really... maybe, you can maybe not... I can accept you saying you not liking John McClane in the first one, but not the movie as a whole. Yeah, here it is. This is what I was trying to prod, this defense of the movie. People, I, it's a, it's not a mystery to me because I do enjoy the movie, but it's interesting that this, the first Die Hard is, and we probably already talked about this, but it's just, it's this immense thing. Because honestly, it's not that far off from Die Hard 2, but the first one is a big deal. People it's, it's religiously love What was that? I'm saying it's completely different than Die Hard 2. It, it is different. I'm I'm not sure how you're not seeing that. Die Hard 2 is chock full of so many characters and plot points and and shit going on in different locations and and God knows what else. Uh and Die Hard 2 is or Die Hard is sleek and uh paced well and uh, moves and keeps you interested and sometimes you even root for the bad guy a little bit. And so it's you know, interesting. I got also, Die Hard two yeah. in the Die Hard box. I must have flip flopped the VHS tapes. <laughs> no, I, I'm forgetting that. I guess it. I guess it was new when it came out, and I guess I enjoyed it. But I just, I'm not. I still have trouble. Maybe it's because I can't sort through what came out when. But the first Die Hard is it? I'm trying to get. I probably some of this is just trying to get some controversial conversation, but it's not groundbreaking, right? It's not groundbreaking, but I think it changes the tone of action movies as they had been kind of established in the 80s with your Stallones and your Schwarzeneggers uh, and your one-liners and your big buff military guys, of which in Die Hard, John McClane was not. It was a fresh take. Yeah, it was a fresh take, but, it, and, but they were like pop culture jokes and not just, you know, uh, over-the-top... Uh, I'll kill you last. Uh, I lied. Jokes, I, you know. I mean, it was Roy Rogers, and and uh, what does that mean? It was Roy Rogers. That's where Yippee Ki Yay, motherfucker comes from. Is is Roy Rogers? Oh, that's right. Because he called him a cowboy. Yeah. 
Have you watched uh, the first one this this season? No, I have not gotten to it this season. Oh, you haven't? No, not yet. Uh, there's still a week to go before before yeah. Christmas. Generally, well, by the time this airs, is only a few days yeah, to go. The, the wife and I generally will uh, put it on and uh, wrap gifts the uh, Christmas Eve. Do you ever watch it outside of the Christmas season? Uh, yeah, occasionally. Generally, if it's on television or something, or uh, I'll watch it. Um, but it doesn't but I get old for you. It doesn't it doesn't wear out. No, it hasn't. It hasn't yet. There are movies I'm going to enjoy more than you enjoy. That there's nothing wrong with that, Tim. And we can both hate Die Hard too. <laughs> we do both hate Die Hard too. It's not a shock to say good memory or good reality or bad reality. This is not only a bad reality. This is something where I don't know anyone who I'm not even going to say likes it. I don't know anyone who talks about this movie. I don't know anyone who would listen to a podcast about. I this know movie. one person. I don't know. I sp- is no, it no, me? No, I had a friend of mine. Uh, we were talking Die Hard um, because a friend of mine gave me an ornament uh, that is Bruce Willis uh, inside the uh, air conditioning duct uh, as a Christmas ornament, and so we mm-hmm. started talking about Die Hard as a Christmas movie. And I mentioned we were we had recorded the first half and we were going to be recording the second half of this podcast. And uh, he was like, oh, don't knock Die Hard 2. That's a great movie. That's a Christmas movie, too. And so I'm going to have him. I'm going to have him. Why isn't he on I'm this episode? This episode. And then he can write in and uh, we'll we'll read his letter uh, next next episode next time. I don't know if we gave him any reason to write in. He just listened to two cranky guys with colds almost talk about a movie that they watched. But uh, I would love to hear that then because I don't get how this is. It's not the worst thing ever, but it just doesn't stick out, doesn't stand out. Yeah, And I'm still pretty convinced that the filmmakers knew that. I don't think they were looking to make a deep movie, a smart movie. I think in some ways they were just making fun, not of Die Hard, but of the fact that they were asked – to make this movie. That could maybe, be. This, and maybe this is how I can get through it if I have to watch it. There's a little meta thing going on, a little M-E-T-A meta thing going on where, and again, I don't think Bruce Willis is in on this. I think Bruce Willis thinks this character is great. I think he thinks he's a gun-toting Republican character who stands up for cops and what's right, even though he's constantly putting cops down. But I think the director the writer and some of the actors, Dennis Franz being one know that this thing is a joke and that they're going through motions, that it's a programmable machine and it is just a sad exploitation of something that I know you keep saying the different movies, but I think it's just a beat for beat retaking, reclaiming and rehashing of the first one. And yet somehow, because they play the same fucking Christmas song at the end, there's snow, it's Christmas time, they comment on that. But it doesn't feel festive the way the other one does. Maybe because we're at an airport and no good (laughs) ever comes from a fucking airport. That's true. Are we segueing out? Is that the episode? I think so. Yeah, that's that's enough. I think that's all we can take. I feel like we were defeated by this movie. I feel like this is not something that was a It really, you know, it disappointed me. I did not want to be this let down, and I, I was. Mm-hmm. Well, it coincides with a lot of people's reaction to this <laughs> last Jedi. And if I had more energy, we'd talk about that. But since we don't, we'll talk about this. It's the holidays. Merry Christmas, Bob. I guess when this goes up, right? When this finally yeah. airs. There's Merry no feeling behind that right now. But yeah, <laughs> it comes up. 
Um, we've got one more episode this year. We've got a New Year episode coming up in the interim. In the meantime, right now, check out 20popcast.com. That's the website of the show. It has all of our past episodes there for you to listen to. Whenever the new episodes go up, you can listen to them right there as well. It also has links to uh, what me on Twitter, at Subcultist. You on Twitter, at RH Canning. Uh, Instagram. Uh, what else? Yeah, just, I don't know. Just get in touch with us or follow us, support us or something. If you have an episode you like, you know what? It's a, it's a season of giving. Share it with a friend. What am I saying? Forget it. No, no, no. Forget Share it. it with a friend. That's, that's, a, that's a nice, um, easy gift to give. A link to... But that's not how... That's, that's not... Gift giving isn't sharing. You don't... You give a gift. Otherwise, it is just sharing. You're giving like, that it's experience. Not like, it's, here's the book. The experience. You're sharing the address, but but giving and gifting the experience of our podcast. Regifting. True. Well, maybe. All right, that's our show. <clears throat> um, oh, I should do like a catchphrase Kaye motherfucker thing or something, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. No, don't do it. I'm not gonna do that. Um, the catchphrase. Do you have access to the internet right now? Sure. I'm recording on the internet. Can you go to IMDb, look up Die Hard 2, and where it says photo, look at the second photo and tell me what's going on in that picture? And then we won't do anything else because we're in the movie. I want to pretend he's on a satellite dish, but I don't think he's on a satellite dish. Uh, Loading Die Hard 2. And then what do I do? Um... Just scroll down to like there's a video section, a photo section. I think it's a second photo. Uh, the second photo I have um, has uh, Sipowich. Dennis Franz. What's the picture in front Dennis of that? Dennis Franz. Um, the senator guy, Fred McMurray. Oh, so you're not getting uh, the... Thomas. Huh. You're not getting the photo that I'm looking at then. No. That's weird. But I'm going to open the photos. I'm just going to yeah, open the photos. Let's see, which and, number is uh, Oh, so the one... Are you talking <laughs> about you the one where it. he's sliding? Yeah. With his arm in the air? That's the one. <laughs> I know exactly what he's doing. He's... Don't say it then. <laughs> I've, I've seen this movie enough times. I know oh, really? Talking. I've only seen it once. Well, well let's talk oh, about it then. Let's it. go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> That's a great idea. Here we go. Oh, fucking <laughs> All right. <laughs>